Windsor, Windsor Ascot, Ascot Maidenhead, Maidenhead Bracknell, Bracknell Wokingham, Wokingham Henley, Henley Reading, Reading. Okay. The Voice River Radio of the Thames Valley Hello, hello, hello to you here in the Thames Valley and hello to wherever else in the world you're listening from. How are you doing? You're listening to River Radio and I'm so thrilled to have you with me as always. You're tuned to Your Life, Your Way, the show that is all about you. I'm Deborah Fielding and I'm with you every week and it is my favourite time of the week too. McFly open our show with All About You every week. And why is that? Because it is all about you. We've shared a ton of life experience on Your Life, Your Way. It's about the connections you make. It's the understanding that life isn't always straightforward. And sharing is what keeps us together too. So we started off the show every week with the glory of the story. And it's a great guest slot where you can hear a story about your guest that will be both true and owned by them, which means it isn't anybody else's story but theirs. And this week's guest is, what shall we say, well, he's charming, gifted and someone that definitely knows how to say yes. That's what I'm going to say. So straight after the glory of the story, we have what's in a word, where we are trying to make sense of life one word at a time. I think we're doing quite well, but we do have a few words to go. (laughs) Uh, So make sure you remember to drop me a message to tell me where you're listening in from and to get your questions into your guest. And that address is deborah at riverdebt.radio. And that's D-E-B-O-R-E-H, of course. So message in any time, especially for the last section of my show, which is all you, led by you, your questions, your opinions, your everythings, in fact. That's Q&A your way. These are your questions, usually about your life and any questions you've got for our guests too. All questions remain confidential as we unpack them live. And there is some very special music today. Uh, We love our music on this show for sure. And this week is absolutely no different. Before we meet this week's guest, I have to say, what a week that was. It doesn't seem two minutes since I sat here chatting to Alison and Debbie last week. Do you remember? Our guests from um, last week were talking about meeting the Queen and what celebrations were ahead of us. And now all the celebrations are behind us. I hope you had a wonderful time, whatever you got up to. I had a ton of fun. There was so much to do. Now, during the week, I came across a lovely saying, a quote from Rumi. I mean, I ask you, who doesn't love a good quote from Rumi? Which is, life is a balance between holding on and letting go. 
And I don't know about you, but in the past, note I said in the past, I had a habit of holding on to things so tightly that weren't really any good for me. I was so scared to let go that I couldn't see that they weren't serving me one iota. It's weird, isn't it, when that happens, if it's happened to you? Um, I think much of it had to do with being a single mum and not wanting to rock the boat too much, but I wonder what opportunities I missed from that approach. I'm much better now at letting go quicker. In fact, my motto currently is fail fast and fail forward. I'm sure I didn't make that up, but if I did, well done me. (laughs) Now, this week's guest, he just has a great ability to see where the opportunity lies and he goes out and grabs it. In fact, most of the time it arrives on his doorstep with no effort at all, I'd say. Uh, But welcome to the show, the man of many guises, Many abilities, and lucky for me, my good friend, Mr. Mark Chase. Hello, Deborah. Good morning. How are you doing? I'm really good. Pleased to be here. Yeah, good to have you here. Uh, Mark, before you tell us your story, uh, first of all, I want to just know who you are and where do you come from? I sound a bit like <laughs> Silla Black on Blind Date. <laughs> well, well, let's let's hope. Um, <laughs> I uh, My name is Mark Chase. I uh, was born in Liverpool and Liverpool uh, <laughs> Liverpool yeah and um you, you'll note the lack of a, an accent and uh I now live in Oxford actually very nice family yeah I'm uh happily married um which is quite rare and uh with uh four kids all of whom are grown up now oh uh, gosh you've got I mean you're like the um Hollywood family I always think of you you're all so utterly gorgeous every single one of you and when I see a picture of you I just think you should be over there in Los Angeles somewhere well the, that that was a bit tempting we went on uh, honeymoon to Los Angeles and uh, I admitted to my wife like years later I said I, I was so tempted to say let's just stay because I <laughs> did I, loved it. I reckon I loved that it would have suited you down to the yeah, ground I think I so yeah yeah so um well you've got a story or several in fact we could we could be here for a good few hours I'm sure but um we've got to crack on this morning Mark um so let's delve into your story tell us a bit more well, my, my background has been, um, you know, extremely erratic. Uh, I, I have defined the word career in that I've careered around all over the place. Um, <laughs> I, I started off, um, came out of university, didn't know remotely what to do. And I was working at um, Sport Aid, if you remember that, the charity. I do. And then somebody from the BBC came in and um, decided to work there at and obviously I went straight over and said, how do I be a presenter? And, and literally three hours later, I was in the BBC sort of uh, signing up, which is, uh, I had dreadlocks then, six foot four and dreadlocks. And I think that's basically what did it. And uh, so I was a presenter for uh, probably about 12 years. But all the way through that, um, and, and I did things like uh, going live and a lot of stuff on Channel 4, sex talk, um, and um, I did breakfast time for the BBC as well. So lo- loads of stuff like that. Uh, but all the way through it, I, I continued being a musician, which I'd always been. And uh, so I was I was a session musician for people like Belinda Carlisle and uh, various other Americans. Yeah, I've singers. seen the photos of you, you on you, Top of the Pops. You have. You I know, have, yeah. yeah. And, uh, <laughs> you know, I'd always wanted to do Top of the Pops, so I kind of and you in, did. indulged that side of myself as well. Yeah. And uh, did all of that. But the thing that was always burning while I was presenting was that, uh, you know, this is great, but I'm not sure it, it's actually the thing that I... I really wanted to, and um, I really wanted to be a songwriter and make records. So uh, I then, you know, so pointed myself in that direction. Got a manager, 
and um, we uh, got signed to Sony and I had a band called World of Leather. I mean, I like how this is all just, um, you know... I got a manager and then we got signed to Sony like it was so easy. I, I'm cutting out all the bits where people told me to get lost because <laughs> nobody wants to hear that. But there were hundreds of people said no. Uh, but well, that, that's important. I just want to pick up on that because, um, you know, there are some people that just automatically get signed to Sony or whoever. Um, but you have had to go through a few well a lot of rejections first right I, I think you know you were saying fail forward which I really liked and I might I might nick that and say pretend that I made it up I'm sure I didn't uh, make it up but, but um I, it just feels good but but it is because you you've got to get the nose in order to get to to a yes and so, that's so. the bit that forms you right well, it, it can either form you or defeat you, mm-hmm. because I think if you uh, if you take it too personally, and, and it's hard not to take it personally when you are a presenter or when you're um, a singer, you know, yeah, because you are selling you. you're selling yourself. That's and, right. And, and so when people say you're rubbish and get out of my office, it, it, it does slightly hurt. Yeah, yeah. But it only <laughs> ever comes down to desire. I mean, you look at somebody like Madonna. Um, you know, depending on your opinion, I don't think she's a particularly great singer. No. I th- don't think she's a great writer. I'm she, with you. she can't act. She can dance a bit. Uh, but she's got world class desire. And so she was nice. clearly told no by who knows how many people, but she didn't take no for an answer. And, and that is almost always what makes a difference. And you can feel that from Madonna as well. You know, that's like it oozes out of her, doesn't it? Well, it does, you know, but, but, but it, it, it is all. And I think she's. I, I probably misread this, but but I seem to remember reading her saying it was all down to desire. It was all about she wanted it more than the next person. And, and that always makes a difference. Right. Uh, so maybe I was needy enough to want it more than everybody else. <laughs> and so anyway, I, I, I did get a record deal and we uh, we made a couple of albums and it was, um, it, it was great. But uh, I probably left it a bit late because I think I was about 32 when I signed it. And then I accidentally had four children. <laughs> and found my, yes yeah that was very careless and uh and found myself you know on a tour bus uh, in the middle of scandinavia going well what's going on and mm-hmm. um what had been my my dream wasn't actually my dream anymore so you you, you i think you do have to take a a kind of stock check of whether you're still pursuing the thing or or whether the thing you are still pursuing is actually the thing you you really want. And and in my case, it wasn't because what I wanted more than anything was to walk my kids to school. And so uh, hence why I ended up running a business because I thought, well, if I get a job, I'll have to commute. And if I work for myself, then at least I can choose my hours. So, So it was very much built around what life did I think I wanted? And I wanted to be there to walk the kids to school and to, to pick them up. And that became more important than anything, really. So you've kind of morphed along the way, shall we say. You've set off with a desire. Or did you have a desire to be a TV presenter? Or did that just land on your doorstep as well? Because well, well, well that, that wasn't really my desire. It was, it was a kind of... Um, you know, asking for the you know when I walked over to this 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 girl who'd, who'd just come from the BBC, it, it later transpired she was just a secretary, but she did know one producer. And when I went and sat on her desk with my long dangly hair and said, <laughs> how, "How do I go about becoming a presenter?" Uh, in her finest moment, she she later recalled, she just said like this and picked up the phone, and and it was very cool uh, I for love her. This. Love uh, it. But it was you know, but she didn't know anybody else. She just rang one person that she knew and said, "This is bloke, and he looks kind of weird." Yeah. Um, you know, a it's white, just what you need. <laughs> a white raster bloke, and you know, this was you know, nineteen eighty eight or whatever, and. Um, 
it wasn't quite so common that people, you know, had different hairstyles and stuff. Uh, and I, I'm still convinced it was just the hairstyle that got me in. Um, but it, no, it wasn't actually, you know, it wasn't something that I was, I was really dreamy of. I, I, I wanted to be a, a pop star, uh, mainly to, so the girls would like me, like, like everybody else who gets into music. It's, uh, uh, this is going to get very deep. As, as Nisha says, suppose, tr- suppose truth be a woman, which is basically the only motivation for doing anything <laughs> is so that somebody will fancy you. And, uh, so I thought that was the quickest way that people would fancy you. And I thought, TV presenters were a bit naff, but anyway, that I became is one. So, <laughs> so funny, yeah. so funny. But so you landed like in this um, high-profile world, really? Yeah, because um, you did quite a lot of high-profile TV. Yeah, yeah, and it was, um, you know, the, the, it's, it's a funny experience. Television. I mean, I really loved live TV because that most closely replicates the feeling you get of of, of being on a stage and performing with a with a band. And uh, that that was fantastic fun. I found that I didn't really enjoy pre-recorded stuff like that because you're just traipsing around a field with a bunch of blokes with cameras and stuff like that. Right. Although I think nowadays you're just traipsing around on your own probably with an iPhone. And yeah. uh, so, so, so yeah. yeah, the reality is not always what people assume it is. You know, they see half an hour of edited footage and don't know that that's taken a week of driving around Norfolk. Yeah. And so, yeah, there, there's elements of that that make you go... It, it, is this really what I wanted? Well, that's really interesting because I was chatting to the one, the only, the super genius that is Steve Wright yeah. um, from Radio 2. And he was, because I, I, I mean, I've got the utmost respect for Steve, but he was actually saying, um, it feels glamorous from the outside in. He said, but in reality, I'm in a box all day, yeah. almost in the dark. Yeah. Um, I've no idea what the weather's really doing. I, I've got this sliver of a window at the top. Um, he says, and that's my day. You know, I am stuck inside and I've no idea what's going on outside. Well, it's like being a dentist, isn't it? You're just talking to yourself all day because, you know... You, yeah, because nobody you, can you, answer your, your patient, back. Your patient's got an instrument in yeah. their mouth or whatever. And uh, and he's just there generating something. And, and you can understand why he, he gets other people on the show because just to have somebody to bounce off. Because yeah. I, I, I really admire... Uh, people who can host a radio show I'm not, I'm not just saying this for your benefit but 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 if you sat in a room on your own trying to generate material i did it when i worked on um, the mtv kind of spin-off which is vh1 and you know i did just have to sit there and link between videos right and we pre-record like seven shows in a, in a few hours right and yeah, by, by show two, you really have run out of things to say because you just can't think of anything to say that's that's going to have any relevance in in a week's time when it's broadcast, and you somehow got to got to say yeah, something to, dots, to, to, yeah. to join it all, and so yeah. it. It kind of is harder than it looks, yeah. So but but I up- can't demean it. It's not demean it. It's not as hard as a lot of other people's jobs. No, and I expect it's fun. You're meeting loads of different people as well, and um, that that kind of becomes a highlight. But how did you did you end up doing TV presenting and your band at the same time at one point? Yeah, I had a band running in the background, and and I was. Uh, I mean, what of, made you decide to set a band up? Were you did you, were you TV presenting when you decided to set it up? I, I actually always had a band from the age of fifteen. Oh, fabulous! Okay. So I was always in one band or another, uh, and just playing, you know, clubs and things in London. And so it was kind of a my my hobby. And then I started picking up work as a as a session musician as well. So the weird thing is, I'd be appearing presenting a TV show, and then I'd go and be Belinda Carlisle's bass player on top of the pops, and and that, that was kind of an odd. Uh, collision of yeah, things because yeah. uh, and certainly when I signed my my, my record deal the, the the label were very keen that I I stopped being a TV presenter 
because at that time, and I don't know if it's still the case, but at that time, you know, if you were a pop star in Britain, you were out of control. You know, they wanted you to be <laughs> well. Looking somebody, at you, Mark, I yeah, can yeah, see yeah, where but, that might but, have come but, from. But that, that, that was kind of the image. They wanted you to be a little bit um, messed up and out of control. Okay, and that wasn't really enhanced if you were on breakfast television, kind of holding it together. No. So it's no. so, okay. You know, so so that 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 was kind of the reason why I, I withdrew from TV. Uh, apart from the fact I was I was touring a lot as well. Yeah. So. So um, you started your band, you got a record deal with Sony, no less. Yep. And what happened next? Well, we, we made two albums and we um, we went on tour all over the place. We were not particularly successful in Britain, actually. Um, but in Scandinavia and Japan, we, we, we got quite a decent following and um, did a lot of touring. Uh, and, and as I say, I mean, I remember the moment where I, I thought, this is not, I think I've outgrown this. I've outgrown this dream because I, I loved the creativity of writing records. Mm. But I was in uh, Stockholm, and the rest of the band were having a fantastic time, and were just, um, you know, meeting meeting other people and uh, <laughs> do whatever bands do. And I was just desperately, desperately missing my wife. Uh. I just wanted to be at home with my wife and my kids, and um, and I just thought, yeah, this is probably not going to work because. Uh, if I keep doing this, I can't see how a marriage can survive if I'm going to spend the next 10 years touring. touring because that's, yeah. that's that's basically the that, that's the job. And Jack at home with four children. Yeah, quite yeah which is hard for her. Yeah, really You know, they were all under six and, wow. uh, um, you know, that, that's not an easy thing for anyone no. to do. And, and uh, also I'm expecting the financial situation as well because... Um, you know, bringing four children up is not a cheap Yeah, and, and in the it? early stages of a band... You know, it, well, even in the successful stages of a band, it takes a long time for money to arrive. So um, it can be years before you have anything meaningful uh, uh, cash-wise. Yeah. So yeah, that that was definitely part of it. Yeah. I thought, okay, we, we need we need to do something different, and and it was a real left turn because I end up running a business that supplies um, kind of things to surgeons and dentists. You know, which is a real <laughs> odd odd left turn. It but, really. But I just saw an opportunity and went for it. And, and that's and, you, opportunities. Well, you, you see them very easily. Uh, but before we go on to your dental exploits... <laughs> well, let's not spend too long on those. <laughs> there's, um, I think it's a great place to play some music. And this is not just any old music, but we're going to play a track from one of many that are available to you now from your band, World of Leather. Um, and... I quite like a number of your tracks. It was a toss-up for me between Baby Yamamoto and this one, which is aptly named the world, uh, not the world, World of Leather. So let's take a listen to Mr. Mark Chase on the vocals here. Together in this world of leather. 
Really nice to hear, actually. I've it's heard it for a fantastic. while. Fantastic! It really stands up. Yeah. I mean, I love that you laid it down some years ago, and that nothing in your previous world is wasted, and you've got even a back catalogue. Yeah, it's, it's great. Uh, and, and, and just having it played here, the performing rights will keep me going for another year. <laughs> <laughs> um, I mean, I think that's incredible. Um, it's a really. Um, you know, I was listening to it yesterday, and I just thought this actually stands up now. It's, it doesn't feel dated. It's well, I'm biased, but I agree with you. I think, yeah. you know, I, I think it sounds great. It's actually, we're, yeah, we're releasing that, that track as a single on the 24th. Are uh, you? Yeah, but it's, it's up on uh, all the iTunes and everything. I don't even know what a single means anymore. No, uh, but, I agree um, with you. I'm not so sure but, but they're putting the video out and all that sort of stuff again, and uh, which, uh, you know, it's obviously me looking quite a lot hairy. What I think is going to be amazing is if this takes off and becomes a hit and then you have to do appearances somewhere, you're going to look quite a bit different to I what am. the video is. I am, yes, yes. It's going to be a shock for everyone. Um, <laughs> a nice one, I've got to yeah, say. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I'll take it. <laughs> yeah, take yeah. it. Anyway, welcome back to your life, your way with me, Deborah Fielding, and my lovely, lovely guest, Mark Chase. Uh, Mark, 
I'm just intrigued, really, because um, you've had a ton of success weaving from one thing to another, and it's all just seemed quite effortless, apart from all the rejection you had um, before Sony got hold of you. But where, where does that come from? You know, where's the seed planted there? Yeah, I, I mean, like everybody else, there's been plenty of wrong turns. That, that, that you know, undoubtedly, that you know, I, I spent a an unhappy period of eighteen months driving a white van, and you know, there, there's all these things that people have to do. We all have to do whatever it takes. Yeah. But I can kind of trace desire and the seed of wanting more back to uh, when I was a kid. I lived with my uh, my granny, wow. and. I spent uh, a bit of time with my granny, and it's a special time. Yeah, well, my granny was very special, um, <laughs> and because um, she used to be on the London stage, she used to tap dance in the kitchen oh, I and, love and, that. and burn things and all that sort of stuff. But anyway, w- <laughs> one day when I was about five, four or five, uh, um, uh, granny disappeared, and it was because she'd gone to London, and then she popped up on the telly. And in those days, that was a big thing <laughs> yeah, yeah, because was, yeah. you know there was um, you know the mid sixties, and she was on This Is Your Life. Amazing. And so I was there kind of going, oh, there's this my granny on, the, yeah. on This on Is the Your Life. Yeah. And it was because her sister was uh, a woman called Jessie Matthews, who um, probably doesn't mean much now, but in the 1930s was Madonna, funnily enough, going back to who we were talking yeah, about yeah. earlier. You know, she was uh, in movies, she was a singer, she uh, was absolutely everywhere, dancer, and very quite scandalous as well, actually. And... We love uh, a scandalous granny. Well, she, yes, she, 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 <laughs> my, my granny was also quite scandalous, but that's a whole other story. But the, um, but anyway, so so that definitely made an impression on me. And then when my my granny came back, and I don't remember if it was straight away, but she told me the story of how her sister Jessie kind of became this big star. I mean, I uh, remember Jessie Matthews. I know that's dating me a bit, but well, I she, do. She was a big radio star in the 60s. Yeah. She did. She had a, a big, um, I can't even remember what it was called now, but she had a big big series there that was, you know, people knew her. I think I probably heard my elders talking about her. Yeah. That's it. And but, things just stay in your memory, don't they? Yeah. They, but so, so what had happened to Jessie was that they, they, there were 17 kids living in Berwick Street in Soho. And, you know, the boys would work on the uh, the, the fruit and veg market. And the girls, because they were quite pretty, would, would, would go and queue up and become chorus girls for, in the theatres. And so Jessie, age 16, um, ends up in the chorus in some production. And this is, I, th- I think it's like early 20s or something like that. And the production goes really well and they transfer to Broadway. So age 16, she gets on a boat and goes over there. Oh, and they're, they're, they, they're doing the first rehearsals um, in, in Broadway. And the American director is, uh, says, right, okay, Gertie, the big star, Gertie Lawrence, um, was ill. So let's have the first, uh, let's have the understudy. And so they got the understudy on and the, the director apparently said, you know, you can't sing for Toffee. At which point the, the girl went off crying. And so then uh, he's, the director says, uh, okay, second understudy. And then this hush goes across the stage because they all loved the stage manager from London who hadn't bothered appointing a second understudy because he thought, well, that's never going to be needed. Yeah. And so there was just this silence. And then from the back of the chorus, uh, my Auntie Jessie, age 16, walks through the crowd, everybody hating her, but unable to say, it's not you, and says, yes, it's me. I'm the second understudy. Oh, my gosh. And so she walks to the front of the stage, uh, uh, you know, and it still makes me shiver. Yeah, Six, it's year old doing this. And the guy goes, okay, hit it. So she does uh, a verse and a chorus, and he goes, fantastic, you're on tonight. Oh, my days. And, uh, you know, so that was the, the sliding doors moment yeah. that, that opened for her. How brave. And, and so 
somehow that that seeing my granny on the telly and hearing that story lodged itself in my head that you could come from nothing, but if you really wanted it and if you stood up at the right time and grabbed it at the right time, that things could happen. And uh, so I don't know to what extent that informed things, but you know, you, I think you started right at the beginning saying, you know, I'm somebody who says yes. And, and um, I think I try to do that because do. I know the times of my life when I've said no, I've then thought, why did I say no? Because I, I could have done that. <laughs> uh, uh, the amount of times you've encouraged me yeah. to say yes and at the pivotal moments in my life, I can go on and on about it, um, have been insane. Uh, that, and that's what I think of you. You just know. You have, you have an innate sense of knowing when that time is. Well... Uh, I learned, you know, going back to, you know, not everything was plain sailing, that you or there's, there's a saying, you already own the no. You say, always and, say that and, to and me. And so yeah. if you've already, if you tell yourself no, you've already got no. Yeah, so you so might you as, may well as well try. You may as well ask. And, and the, the danger is that somebody will tell you you're a deluded fool and you should get out of the office, and uh, which which happens. But if you can go, okay, well, I... I I already didn't have the thing I wanted. Now I've just been sent out with a flea in my ear and I still don't have it. But one person will go, oh, all right then, we'll give you a go. Yeah, and, and, and that's all you need. Uh, and that's all you need. And uh, and I think it, it's, you know, if you can kind of embolden yourself to, to do something. Um, and and I, do, I do, going back to the Jesse story and my granny, that I think, you know, if you're a third generation unemployed kid in red car, or wherever, or somewhere up north, you're northern, I'm northern, you, you, it's hard to see that there's such a thing as a possibility that exists that you can get out of there. There is. And, you know, like you, we've discussed this before, when I was at school, you know, you, you went to the brassworks, literally, to be a yeah. fitter or a turner. So yeah. do you want to be a fitter or a turner? And yeah. I said, well, uh, <laughs> I want to go to university. And, and people laugh, you know. Yeah. And, and oh, they, oh they laughed at me when I yeah. went and said, uh, I want to be a professional dancer, you know. But but but, but something, th- there's something in there. And... and and I can't really take the credit for it because I, I, I don't know that I would be the same person if I hadn't had that seed planted no, in me. No, it's gorgeous. You know, that if, if I hadn't seen it was possible. It's only if someone shows you um, a window that you can actually go, oh, actually, there is a way that I can, yeah. I can, I can get to there. You know? I think every week on this show so far, I've said, show me the child of seven and I'll show you the man. Yeah. And you're so impressionable at that age. Yeah. And what you are is formed right there. And you're living proof yet again this week. Um, I've got that saying to say, because every guest I've had on has shown me whatever they are now is rooted in that time. It's quite incredible. I think so. Uh, and, and, you know, uh, f- for those, well, we're both parents, you know, I, I've always been absolutely hard on my kids about saying, you know, you've got to be able to communicate. You've got to believe that you have the ability to, to do things. Yeah. And, and, um, you know, uh, it's probably child cruelty. We do not allow shyness in our house. <laughs> you know, I know that sounds nuts, <laughs> but we just don't, we've never allowed it. So if the kids are there and somebody comes in to fix a dishwasher, you do go up and go, you know, good morning, and you know, how are you getting on? How are you getting, right, on? How are you getting yeah. on? And and doing that sort of stuff because it's so important that you know that people can feel worthy, and and having a voice is part yeah. of feeling worthy. Yeah. Well, that's just insane. So I just encourage you, if you're listening in here to Mark, to 
just look back at your time when you were seven, eight years old and what were you, who were you? Uh, you might not be doing anything around it now, but can you just integrate that into your life in some way? I mean, I always refer back to me as a dancer and my happiest times now are sat in front of the Royal Ballet at the Opera House. It's the home of my soul. Um, and listening to people's stories and here I am now talking to people about their stories because it fascinates me. Um, so, Mark... I think it's time for a segment of refreshment. Oh, how lovely. And this is Mark's song choice. Uh, not one from his back catalogue, in actual fact, but one of his favourite tracks of all time, and one of mine too. Um, and I love this intro from Talk Talk, and life's what you make it.
the voice of the Thames Valley. River Radio. I think I like it. You give one quick twitch and the thing is done. Hey, thank you for listening to Your Life, Your Way at River Radio with me, Deborah Fielding. Uh, That was Talk Talk and Life's What You Make It because that's a very apt song with Mr. Mark Chase, my guest today, the one, the only. Now, if you missed the first part of the show, never fear, there are other ways you can listen in. You can listen again to the show as a podcast. Uh, You might be doing that right now, in fact, so welcome. Uh, Search for River Radio, Your Life, Your Way, or you can hop over to the website, river.radio, and listen again. Uh, Which brings us neatly to what's in a word. Uh, And this part of the show where you and I break down a word and chat about what it might mean for you. Um, We talked about inspiration last week, uh, deciding that our queen must have needed quite the amount of it in her time. uh, Because no matter how big your crown, over the years... There's been turbulent family life and all the stuff she's seen in the world. Um, And the family is no different with its ups and downs. Uh, So today's word is what I feel Mr. Mark Chase attracts to himself in a multitude of ways. And it's something you can do too. And that is opportunities. So let's uh, dive into that word and see what that might mean. Dive in to River Radio. Oh my gosh, so delighted that my little jingle worked because last week, I think I must have messed it up. I had to sing to you if you remember. (laughs) Anyway, here is my short post I wrote to support my subscribers with their mental well-being and I wanted to read that out to you too. Opportunities. Sometimes you have to skid through the dirt to discover hidden opportunities. Be brave and flip the situation over to discover what gem is on the underside. Always, when you look further, on the other side of the problem is the solution. Be brave and don't shy away. A new friendship, a new business, a new partner, a new home, a new life. Wow. And luck had nothing to do with it. You aligned your way right through this one. So I think opportunities can be around uh, for you, Mark. You're a born presenter and it's about time for me that you were back on TV. Uh, We've discussed this many a time and your agent, a.k.a. me, would love to see that happen. Uh, So if there is anyone looking for a good presenter out there, get in touch with me, Deborah at River.Radio, and we can talk. (laughs) You heard it here first on River Radio. Um, I don't know how that sounds to you, Mark, but there's your first advert. That's fine. Are you still on 50%? I definitely (laughs) am. (laughs) Now, opportunities are literally all around us, and it seems that when life is all over us, We don't seem to see them so readily. Uh, We don't open our minds to them. And when we do, because we're busy, we don't take the time to feel into them and say yes, which is what we've really learnt from Mark this morning. Um, So you've got to get into the habit of being brave enough to look straight at them, look them straight in the eye. And the funny thing about Madame Opportunity is that She'll just slide on by. She'll be out of sight in no time if you don't keep your eye on the ball. And you've got to drum up the excitement and feel about the things that you love before um, she just disappears from you. So how do you deal with that? How do you stop that happening? Well, just about saying yes is the next step and you don't have to bite it all off in one go in my view. Just the next step. And if it feels good, say yes. And then the next step after that, and on you go. 
Opportunities and little miracles are around us every day. And I challenge you to notice a few in your day, this day, and write in to tell me about them. It's exciting. Be excited as you spot them. Uh, The thing I've come to recognise is that, unlike the movies whereby there's a soundtrack always telling you what to feel, there's not a big fanfare when something great happens in our lives. A great things happen quietly most of the time. When you get a new job or a promotion, the orchestra doesn't scramble into action to tell you, hey, this is great, you've got to do that for yourself. And Mark, I always remember you telling me about your old Mercedes that you bought. I mean, I was fascinated by your friends saying, how did you get that? And you said, well, I just signed the paperwork. There was no music, no soundtrack playing as you drove it away. That's true, although I had kind of visualised, wouldn't it be nice if I could get this particular model of Mercedes with one owner, and it was blue, and it was I was living in Tunbridge Wells at the time, and it was on the doorstep, and of course, funnily enough, exactly that materialised the next day. That's incredible, but I just remember you telling me that it really impacted me, that um, there's no soundtrack, this is it. <laughs> mm, yeah, and it's like when you go and see people say, wow, your life is fantastic, how did you get it? Well, you've got to grab those opportunities with both hands. That's where we're at. Things can pass you by in a blink, sometimes not to return, and you don't want that.
back to Your Life, Your Way with me, Deborah Fielding. That was such a great song from Propaganda, and it's called Jewel. It's another one from my playlist, actually, and I'm getting yours too, Mark. Oh, let me put the mic up. That'll help. That, that would help a lot, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I love them. And they were playing in London last week. Oh, fantastic. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, we were just chatting that Kate Bush is back in the charts as well. It, so. It's the time for people to come back. I so. think it is, Mark. I'm excited <laughs> for you. <laughs> Now, before we get stuck into Q&A your way, Heather has just popped into the studio. Heather from Turning Pages, of course. And I know from you being on my show, Heather, that you are always looking for the yes in an opportunity, having taken to get in a Masters at Oxford recently too. Absolutely, yeah. And oh, no, I've done it again, Heather. What am I like? Sorry, I'm there like, you are. There we go. Yeah, I thought what was really interesting about your stories is that how our lives are stories. They and are. that's exactly what Turning Pages is all about, is the best stories in the world. But that was a pretty damn good one. Oh, thank <laughs> you very much. Anyway, you. Go on, tell me about your show. Right, so we have got a Marlowe Literary Festival arriving in town. I love that we've yes. got a literary festival. Come on. About time too, <laughs> I, I say. I agree. So we were talking to the organiser of that. And then we're also talking about the link between Bernard Cornwell and Offers Queen and Cookham, so which is all very exciting. So uh, we'll be talking to somebody who's involved in that, and we're talking about the sea because it's summer and we're all thinking about holidays. Oh, and we my favourite thing! Might not be able to get away on holiday, but we've got pretty damn good places in the UK too. We have. Oh, you might not be able to get away on holiday, but you definitely won't be able to get back. Oh, yes, <laughs> that is true. That's where we're at. I think. So we're looking forward to. Heather's show, uh, Turning Pages, coming straight up after um, this show, of course. Now, while Heather was chatting, we had a sweet message in from Philip saying he's no idea how he's listening to the show. It's his first time. Are your life, your way, Virgin? That's amazing. Welcome, Philip. Um, Very glad you're here, of course. He said, and thanks for the miracle this morning, like it, of helping him understand that he shouldn't be letting his girlfriend walk away. Well done. He says he has the biggest opportunity under his nose that he's been scared to say yes to and go travelling with her. Come on, Philip, we love this. Uh, we need to know where, when and what, though. The, honestly, you guys are so light on the deets. Um, would love this info before the end of the show, if possible, Philip. Um, no doubt, Mark, you've inspired a little bit of travelling. Our lovely Philip there. Good. <laughs> That's all I've got to say on that. Um, Now, Lily dropped a line to you, Mark, and said, were you nervous each time you moved on? Uh, She's facing a job change, which could be amazing, but she's rooted in fear at the change. You can only ever go with how you feel, which is if it feels good to change, um, ignore the fear. If it feels like the right thing that you want to be doing, then you've got to follow that because the impulse will will eat at you if you don't do it. Yeah, and do you think that's what's guided you in your yeah you've, you've got to go how does it feel does it does it feel good to say no to it and and not move on and if that feels bad then you know go for the change well i'm i'm just a massive one for following how you feel um because it tells you every time and oftentimes we forget to tune into that yeah um now i had a message in from a friend of mine um over in the states and she said Um, She's so proud of herself because she was asked to play on a neighbourhood beginners tennis team and it's been years, meaning at least 30 since she played and has never had formal lessons apart from the odd hit around during um, school PE lessons many moons ago. Um, Initially, she said no. There you go. 
Uh, she let fear make the decision. A voice was saying to her, you're too old, you're nowhere near fit enough, you will probably injure yourself, you'll make a fool of yourself. Uh, um, she said the noise in her head was just ridiculous. I'm quite familiar with that as well. And my friend Joe over in America. Uh, and then she thought, what if this could be fun? There we go. What if this brought me new friends? What if this helped me get fit? What if this gave me something that is just mine to look forward to every week? And so she decided to say yes. And yesterday was her first lesson. And honestly, she said she was scared to death and nearly didn't go. But she's so glad that she did because she absolutely loved it. Her coach is amazing and she's going to look forward to working with her every week. And she even said that she wouldn't consider her a beginner's beginner because, and that just made, made her day, she said. So I'm chuffed to bits of you, Joe Dodd, and feeling rather proud of you myself for, for doing that. And that's really been the force and the thrust of our conversation mark you don't know where it's going to lead do you no i mean you were saying it a second ago that um i've learned to my cost that saying no is is the wrong thing just say yes to each little bit until you have the luxury of saying no um you know i I, when i was in my my band i got asked to go and see all sorts of people in tv and said no and then when the band had ended that door was closed you know and so had i just gone and had taken the meeting and done things like that you know it, it don't say no to anything because no. you can but always you can always say, say no. <laughs> you can say no when you when you're certain but but if if you're in doubt say yes until you know more and and it is you know learning to tune into your gut instincts and how you're feeling you mm. can tell there and then really if you just i think it's just learning to stop isn't it and slow down and um tune into what you really are all about what what your body's telling you well, uh, but just allowing it in as well. I think a lot of us tend to go, well, I can't do that because yeah, not, not, not little old me. Away. You know, I, I don't deserve that. And, and that, that's no use to anybody. Everybody deserves a great life and everybody deserves opportunities. But you do have to just let them in. I agree. And um, I think also once you've got practiced at doing that, doesn't it become easier? Well, it just becomes habitual. Yeah. You, know, that you, you, you just say, uh, well, you know, and I say yes to everything to probably a, a ridiculous degree now, you know, that um, I end up saying, doing things that I do end up wondering, why am I doing this? But, uh, you know, th- at least you find out whether it's the right thing or not. Yeah. Um, and, and Jack, your wife had exactly that experience, which has led you from living in Kent to moving to Oxford. And she. Well, she also went and did a, a, a master's at Oxford, and uh, which is when we, we moved up there. And, uh, and now we found it impossible to, to leave. But what she saw was the, the kids about to leave home and all go off to uni in, yeah. in sort of four or five years. And so she went and did a, um, a BA and then thought the only thing that boiled her egg was the idea of, of an MA at Oxford and applied and got in. And then suddenly we we kind of turned our lives upside down. And it was just the right decision. Fantastic thing to do. You know, great place to live and really good expansive experience for her to to turn up and and, and do that yeah and that's just um deciding or feeling into what she wanted and both of you've got the yes attitude Mm. um you landed in oxford you've had a ball um and you were considering leaving i know that and i knew i knew you were not going to go i knew you weren't because you're just like full of it it just took one question from the landlord to say what do you think about staying on because we like having you here and that was okay Uh, and we turned all our plans upside down and it is a really hard place to to leave because it's it's such a sensational it's vibrant isn't it well the whole world comes to oxford so as a place to live it's it's like the best small city i think anywhere 
it's a it's a really amazing place. Yeah, so. and and Jack's been successful with her studies. Yeah, yeah, and she's uh, very happy. She's a painter, so uh, we've now got a studio literally a hundred yards away from where we're living, and she's quite happy. And that, see, that kind of shows to me it, it endorses that you've taken stock, listened to what feels absolutely right for both of you, and things are lining up. So she's now got a studio that's really close yep. to where you are, which is another plus. Yep. Um, life works really well for you. Um, but in terms of the uh, manifesting always go, you know, it sounds a bit woo-woo, but I really believe in it now because she said what I would really love is a studio that I had complete <laughs> access to and I could walk to it day or night and it is literally 200 metres away from our yeah, apartment. perfect. And, um, I, and, you know, the day that she kind of wished it our daughter came back and said oh my friend's got a studio and she's leaving and it's and you do start finding these weird coincidences yeah, and, and then happen. you start thinking maybe it's not a coincidence maybe i'm just opening myself up yeah, to that's things exactly coming to right. me opening up your mind so keeping our minds open this week um well that's us for another glorious episode of your life your way it's been great fun thank you to the terrific force that is mark chase it's been fab to have you in the studio Thank you for having me. Oh, I'm delighted you came in. Um, I wish you and your lovely family a ton of opportunities, Mark. And may they continue to rain down on you all. Um, thank you so much for your questions. Um, that's been really fantastic this week. And I'm starting to gather my own back catalogue of shows now. So make sure you save me as a favourite on your podcasts. Search for River Radio, Your Life, Your Way. Coming up next, of course, is Turning Pages with Heather and Julian. I'm Deborah Fielding. I'm wishing you a week teeming with opportunities. Uh, last week, we had Fred Astaire singing to us. And this week, we have James sending you on your way with, I feel like Fred Astaire. So go ahead and have a absolutely great week. <laughs>